This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello everyone and welcome to the Durham Tenants Union podcast, uh, the first episode of which uh, done with the help and with the equipment of Purple Radio, so thank you very much to them. Um, my name is Don, I am the president of Durham Tenants Union for the 2022-23 academic year, and um, I'm joined today in the studio by Jake. Yep, hello, I'm Jake, uh, the on the exec as the treasurer for this year's Tenants Union. Um, so today, I guess we're going to just what briefly introduce the the society, what we're about. So I'll pass yeah. it to Don to do that. That's what we're planning to do. Uh, we also have Dara, who will be here in a future week. At least he better be um, doing. Who's our secretary for this year? We're three person exec this year. Um, and yeah, so Tenants Union was formed a couple of years ago in Durham. Um, myself has recently took over it for the past two years. Jake recently joined this year. Dara also joined this year, and our Aims and principles are to basically assist students in Durham with their tenants' rights. Um, it's a, We want to educate people, we want to educate people on tenants' rights, make sure they actually know what their rights are, um, make sure people are informed, make sure they have all the information they need when they're in both uni and private accommodation. We also serve as kind of a metric for trying to get change at the uni. We advocate for more rights for tenants and we run events on this kind of thing and do projects under these aims and principles. and. In a nutshell, that's kind of what we do. We kind of base ourselves off consensus decision making, member run. We want, we, and that's all the principles we have. Um, I'll let Jake kind of talk a bit more about what it is we actually do, like on the ground physically. So yeah, I'll let you take that away, Jake. Yeah. So um, a large part of what we do is we're like advice based. So we have our email that's constantly open for students to email in with any questions, queries, or problems. Um, you know we're happy to always answer student questions on obligations with landlords and obviously the tenants as well but we have recently put out uh, some leaflets in all the colleges around Durham so there's information on how to contact us as well on those but also on the obligations on the landlord side and the tenant side but what a large part of what we do with the emails is um, we help work with students who have uh, disputes with their landlords so this could involve anything really from mould, uh, damp, poor living conditions or just a lack of repairs being done by landlords, so furniture which has been broken for an extended period of time that you know, you're just really struggling to get your landlord to actually do something for you. Uh, this is where we will you know, step in and send an email on your behalf to start with, and if things don't progress how they should, there's other legal avenues we can take, whether that be reporting um, landlords to agencies or reporting the agents themselves to redress schemes. Um, and this is all on our leaflets as well. But um, I think one of the main takeaways that we've found from a lot of students that have emailed us is that we we can be quite successful with this. So if you think that, you know, even if your problem isn't too large, but it's going to get that way, we can step in straight away and help diffuse it. Or if it has got to a point where, you know, it's taking a lot of time away from your studies and um, your degree, we can gain compensation for people that so they have to waste their own time trying to do that as well. Uh, this year we have managed to gain a few hundred pounds for several different students, you know, um, some without hot water, some living in poor conditions. Um, Morgan Douglas, pretty good for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we could sit and name and shame probably every landlord in Durham if we wanted to. But yeah, that's kind of what we do. We also help organise sort of student actions, protests. Um, the 
student housing protests last year and the one that's just recently happened at Palace Green. Both tennis union helped organise both of those um, and it's helped organise ones in the future. By the time this has come out, you've probably seen the, the protest at South College, if everything went well with that. Um, we also helped organise that. And yeah, and we also run events throughout the year, which you're always welcome to come along to. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the way to get involved, isn't it, Drake? You kind of, you can either email us if you have problems or you can join us on the SU. We're a free society to join. Um, I plan to keep it as free for as long as I run it. Um, I think that's important, if especially for an issue such as this. You can come to events, you can come to protests. We've helped organise. Um, you can also just get involved in terms of like sharing our information or talking to your um, fellow tenants, your fellow students, um, letting them know what their rights are and kind of not letting them just have to sit by. Because that's, that's one of our big aims, I think. Um, I'm not sure what you think about this, Jake, but it's kind of like, there's kind of a culture at maybe even universities in general, but I think especially at Durham, where it's like when you have a big problem with your landlord, it's kind of just like laughed off as a sort of like experience that has is just part, part of the course for being a uni. And I think that kind of culture needs to change where people are like, no, I have these rights there's people we can go to there's kind of action we can take collectively to force the landlords to do better yeah uh, yeah no I'd, I'd definitely echo that i think um especially in durham with the um the situation it is with housing where people will rush to sign houses very quickly um it's a pertinent issue that people have that a lot of people have terrible <laughs> conditions yeah, they're living exactly. in and they will just accept it because they're like oh well there's you know there's not many houses to go around um someone's got to have it and and this is how I've ended up, unluckily, I'm in a house where the conditions aren't brilliant. But that is not the way it should be. And um, there are obligations that landlords have, which they frequently um, don't meet. And they will typically use their power imbalance, which is that you know they have a house that you need to, mm -hmm. to just avoid doing any repairs and things that need to be done. So definitely it's an issue that people need to... I think need to spread awareness of and that's that's exactly what we're trying to do yeah exactly um like we're stronger together and like we exist to kind of correct that power imbalance because it's weighed heavily against our favor as students or as renters um not just the students but also anyone who rents and we can serve as a vehicle to do that but it, it can only happen with members are going to have with enough people to get behind it, enough people spreading the information enough people organizing themselves because you know we can't check every house in durham we need people to communicate amongst themselves and organize it themselves we need people to come to the protests come to the events share the information and yeah that is the vehicle we hope to be able to push um so yeah that's kind of a cliff notes version of who we are and what we do um in terms of the podcast we we've started this to kind of be another vehicle of spreading awareness and also be a vehicle to sort of talk about issues which don't really get into the news a lot um you know tenants rights in both durham and the country the, not a lot of votes in them compared to bigger issues that the government sees such as you know the nhs or the economy or something like that but they're a very important aspect of many people's lives especially your uni life and um we're going to be we want to try and talk about the issues in that area in both Durham and nationally, maybe even internationally. And yeah, it'll be a bi-weekly podcast. Uh, if it goes well, we might make it weekly, um, time permitting. And um, we'll also be able to maybe answer even some questions people have, talk about common issues and um, be able to build from there. But yeah, without further ado, I guess we'll um, leave off this little section about who we are and we'll head into some uh, recent tenants news. Sometimes these could be local, could be national. Um, could be international 
Um, but today we're going actually quite close to um, our sphere of influence of students. We're going to go to the University of Manchester, where there is a current ongoing rent strike, which has been going on um, for a few, at least a month now, at least. And um, the reason why I want to mention is because they've recently just went through a series of escalations where they've occupied several university buildings. Um, the main one being the um, university senior management's building, um, which they have occupied in solidarity to the rent strike. Um, and they've done this based off a series of demands. Um, so not only do they have, they are trying to get the UCU's demands to be heard by the university, they've also got three demands for the rent strike specifically. So the first one is to reduce rent by 30%. And to refund 30% for the October payment. So they obviously pay in October and February, I believe it how it goes. Um, they also want to commit to not increasing any hall rents for three years and make 40% of the student halls affordable, with as done by the um, the National Union of Students definition of what affordable housing is, which they claim is 50% of the maximum maintenance loan, which would be roughly four and a half to five grand rent for a year and then the third promise is they want to basically have amnesty for the people who went on the rent strike they want to make sure nobody gets charged for that um they have various kind of caveats to this saying like you know disciplinary action is very rare for a kind of thing and you know very importantly they have last time i checked nearly 150 to 200 signups for the actual rent strike um now, we were just talking about this, me and Jake, and we were saying that obviously that is a very, very small proportion of students. Um, University of Manchester's 40,000 40, students. 26 um, undergraduates. 26,000 undergrads, which, you know, if you if you do the math as approximate as possible, if you say that's like 9,000, 8,000 undergrads, and then 150 in that, it's like one it's like 1%, 1 in 100 doing it. Of first years, yeah. Of first years, because this is, I want to make this clear, this rent strike is specific to uni halls as well. It's This is about uni hall accommodation, not the private renters market. Um, and But what's interesting though, is that because the rent is so high at uni halls, um, 150 people do a strike has actually reached nearly a million pounds of withheld funds from the uni, which, um, is a lot. I mean, yeah, Jake. What do you? What? What's your? What's your thoughts on this? Um, it's important that something gets done about about this. Um, obviously, we can't speak about how successful they're going to be. Mm -hmm. It has been successful in the past. Something like this, um, seen in twenty twenty with uh, the thirty percent rebate worth four million. Uh, that university. I'm not sure that one was Manchester, but from the pandemic. Um, yes. Yes. that the uh, student experiences and other universities have had talks with students in the past and they have managed to figure out sort of repayments mm. uh, rebates um, etc hopefully you know similar things can happen with the affordability of student accommodation because that is a growing problem uh, we're seeing now even in Durham well especially in Durham yeah. um, I don't I mean I've, I don't know about you but I, I think every university across the country is facing the similar problems I don't think there's anywhere where it's better to be yeah no definitely yeah like um it would be difficult to pick a uni based off having better housing costs because yeah. they've all kind of increased dramatically. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've got some figures um, estimated by the NUS and the student housing charity Unipol suggests that an average cost has risen by 60% over the past decade. So um, it's saying now that, you know, the average student maintenance loan is about 6,900, but easily um, 
average rent is you know mid mid seven thousand. So that's at every uni you choose to go to, you're looking at people relying on parents or their own income through work as their students to to finance themselves through education, which is meaning that you know people up and down the country are having to skip lectures, having to skip. Um, seminars, one-to-one meetings, etc., just because they can't afford to uh, to pay their rent, which is really not what going to university should be about. And it, it's definitely time that universities, who I mean, as Manchester do, have a large reserve, start dipping into these reserves. I think 119 million pounds surplus. The Guardian have yeah. suggested that Manchester have. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, um, the universities kind of need to swallow their pride a bit and take a hit in ego and be like we have reserves which you know like it's called a crisis for a reason like there's a reason that they should be more willing to dip into their funds because like there's multiple problems at play here like we can't it's very it's very difficult to place blame on one set of actors you know the marketization of education has led to this the way universities are fundamentally structured has led to this the way the, pr- the private renters market is interacting with the uni is led to this you know all of the external economic issues has led to this there is various causes and seem for some reason very few so- credible solutions being offered by those in power at, at the university level yeah um i think one of the one of the things we've discussed um previously is that we we could understand universities appealing to inflation and growing costs if the rents weren't so unfeasibly high in the first place mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know obviously <laughs> countries in a bad position all of most countries are in terms of the finances and inflation's going up um, so it's understandable that rent is going to increase we can't expect it not to mm-hmm. but the fact that um, even before inflation and before a lot of the, the issues we've been having in the last few years we've been seeing rents exceeding by a long way student loans um, to the point at which an appeal to inflation now just seems pointless yeah. to try and win <laughs> win students yeah, exactly. when they can already not afford it before uh, these prices have been increased. Yeah, there's like a complete sort of disconnect between the the reality of student finance and the the costs that they're being forced to pay. Um, they and you know it's it's when things like this it's not surprising that like students at the University of Manchester have took this kind of option because it's like it's in a similar way to the UCU strike actions one way to hit at the university sort of bottom line which is where you know because I was just speaking like the tenants union did a freedom of information request recently um which so this is fine to talk about because you know point of freedom of information and college finances at Durham now are you know they're spending what they're bringing in basically it's like hairline and if costs have increased this year as they're claiming you know, we we are kind of taking the brunt end of that, but I'm assuming a similar situation is what's happened at the Uni of Manchester, where they are aware that even a small amount of students striking can have a big impact. And like that's what we've just said, you know, 150 to 200 students striking, but that's nearly a million pounds being withheld. And, you know, we're not saying, we don't know how successful it will be, but in terms of the way it's been organized, I think it's refreshing to know that you do obviously need a bit of acquire a bit of student support like you know 150 people is the same people who's been attending the protests and they would all have to be first years and there is multiple barriers to getting first years organized that way but there is multiple ways we can learn from something like the uni of manchester and be like you know there is success there even if it's a success in the case of like making people more aware of how unfair the situation is because 
like I say, the issue, some of the issues are bigger than one uni. Um, marketization of education, you know, the way unis are structured is, is two of them. But being able to look at situations like this and being like, oh, this is something that students are doing that's going further than just, you know, trying to appeal through the channels that the university are offering them. I think it's um, just on that, it's, it's important as well that obviously we say we don't know how successful it's going to be. Um, but the fact that this could be successful and that it is getting media attention mm-hmm. and that say that they do manage to get the University of Manchester to dip into their surplus funds, that potentially sets precedent for not only the University of Manchester to do the same again and to recognise their students' needs and put their students' needs above their own. Because obviously without the students, the universities can't continue how they are. Mm-hmm. Um but it might also encourage other unis around the country who are having students in, you know, same if not worse situations, also dipping into surplus funds, to help take the brunt off the students who are really struggling to um, to meet the the the, uh, the fees that they have to pay based on the maintenance loan and based on how high the unis are continuously increasing their prices. Yeah, I agree. And like, it, it seems like every, the only people who want to dip into their surplus funds are the unis. Whereas the students are, like, like you say, being forced to find alternative means of funding their education. And it's a, it's a sense of like, this pure disconnect between the two faculties of, of uni life of students and management. Um, and yeah, and you know, I mean, it's for example, the, the Durham student um, union elections candidates have been released today. And like almost all of them have got promises about the cost of living crisis, like talking about like, you know, we need to increase the food bank provisions for students. We need to do this and stuff. And it's like, you know, it, it, it's pretty shocking that like our elected student representatives, instead of kind of looking at ways to sort of improve our education, are actually looking at ways of mitigating yeah, the shortfalls. Effect. Yeah, yeah. I just just on that as well, it's a, it's a shame that the ways now we're looking at enriching student experience instead of bringing more funds for students to enjoy the uni experience and to uh, enrich their education, their sport, whatever that be, their experience at uni. It's now all about mitigating the damages of the financial burdens that people have. So, and these are student-led initiatives as well. And the SU, the food bank, the breakfast that they're offering every every is every weekday. Uh, I think uh, so. Yeah. The SU, um, that's a student-led, mm-hmm. you know, endeavour. That's that's got nothing to do with the hierarchy of the university and. And it just says that when it's the innovation of the students who, students who themselves, to point out actually, are facing these issues and they're helping other students also face their issues, rather than the institutions and those high up at universities who are pretty comfortable and have definitely the finances to redistribute throughout the university to make it work as a more cohesive whole rather than have it so polarised. Even between members of staff, this is why UCU are on, on strike. Um, it's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. You know, um, so many fundamental issues leading into why education is like this, and this is just one of them, and it's, it's a shame. And it's one of the reasons why the Tens Union exists, and um, it's also one of the reasons why, you know, we're trying to push initiatives like the Student Housing Co-op, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I just think it's interesting. I think University of Manchester seems to be, if not, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the only rent strike that's going on, but I'd, I'd argue it's certainly the most high-profile one that's currently occurring um and i think there's a lot to learn from it especially since you know at durham college accommodation has just been risen by nearly 10 percent there's a gonna be next year's first years 
are going to be seriously negatively impacted. And, you know, there's a long time between now and the first payment of college accommodation fees next year. And, you know, there's a lot of time to maybe get organized with something like that, especially, you know, people who are listening to this, you know, if you want to get involved in something like that, joining the Tenants Union, get involved with what we do. Message us on Instagram at Durham Tenants Union, asking about these things. We can we can maybe look at this and see what can we do. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think this is a good way to lead into what we want to talk about next, isn't it, Jake? To like talk about like student housing co-ops, which is an, an alternative method of housing we're looking into and currently trying to organise. Uh, student co-op hubs and um, yes. plans for potentially one in Durham, and also just outlining what they are, uh, the success of them and why it would be particularly useful given the current uh, landscape of things uh, with, as we've already spoken about, with increasing rent and the lack of availability for students to pay for that. So um, you're leading something on this at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, someone from the UCU, um, who I, I won't name just for the, because they, I haven't asked them if I can name them, um, basically gave me the information for, for student co-op homes. Um, and they are kind of member-led cooperative that operate nationwide to help students to fundraise to organize student co-op student co-ops student housing cooperatives um so um what actually is how would you define it yeah so yeah so housing co-op like is basically it's a it's a situation where it's member-led cooperative principles being applied to housing so it's where a housing whether it be property or like a block of flats or even just one house is run, organized, and owned by the collective members. So there's no landlord, there's no uni involved most of the time. It's just the, the members own and control the building and the housing. They collect the rent, they do the repairs. But yeah, and as I was just sort of, and that's how I would describe a co But if you wanna, that's how I describe all those systems. But if you wanna kind of be very nitpicky about what it is, let's describe very much in detail what a cooperative is. So a cooperative, more generally, is a member-led organization as in there's no like appointed leaders or management or trustees or anything like that it's a purely horizontal organization now they may have internal committees or internal organizing which does have some sense of hierarchy like for example i know that a cooperative in newcastle has for example like a safeguarding committee who have the power to be able to like start disciplinary procedures if like you know there's some sort of like i don't know maybe like an assault or like something like that however generally speaking they are run horizontally um and that's the that's the main principle but another principle is that cooperatives run off the seven cooperative principles um and these principles have kind of been outlined via various groups over the years and like they've kind of been understood in this way and the reason why these are so successful, why cooperatives function is because they adhere to these principles as much as possible, um, which are, and I'll list them now, um, open and voluntary membership. So no one's forced to remain a member of the co-op or forced to join. Democratically controlled by members. Um, direct economic participation by the members. Um, they control all of the capital of the co-op. All the money is held collectively. Um, they're independent, they're autonomous, they're self-help organizations. Um, they inform education, training, information. It allows for cooperation among cooperatives and also a, a deep concern for the local community. So those seven principles guide all co-ops, roughly. Now, obviously, co-ops can add and remove their own principles based off the situation. 
especially and also cooperatives allow for a kind of term of liability where it's like there's very little legal liability because of the f total funds because it's held collectively and the way a cooperative functions can help assist that in a lot of ways so that's roughly what a co-op is so basically think of it this way it's like a group of people who democratically control something as both the economic side and whatever the actual thin is side and they govern it on a demo the democratic principles horizontally organized principles to apply that to housing it basically means there'll be a group of people who will live in the house and say so let's let's say there's a there's a 10 person house there would be 10 cooperative members who would all pay you know rent into the corp funds to upkeep the property to pay off any lease or mortgage they have and they would also democratically control how the money is spent how the housing is sort of how repairs are done and also even things such as like you know maybe activities they do together um and this is like crucial for the um the current way the housing market is going you know these these houses are run at cost mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and all money or proceeds which would be made from it instead of going to an external landlord or an agency are reinvested into the property and future properties as well exactly that's the thing so and this is where it comes back to one of the the principles they have of the the local community and this is i think um something particularly that we we see a lot of in durham is that the local community is being almost ruined somewhat by the student housing and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the prices and the hiking in the prices is pushing locals out of the uh, the area whereas if we we sort of get an initiative with the student co-ops it's um we can have affordable houses for students but this also means that the rent market for private houses will also become under more control as more and more demand is met by more affordable houses so it should bring bring down costs elsewhere as well hopefully yes um because it's well known that the landlords look to the uni in terms of costs for their property and like it's all links together so having something like this can be a kind of thorn in the side of that um because and i'm gonna let jake talk about this a bit more in the future in a bit about like examples of co-ops that use this scheme that have worked well but just to give an example of even somewhere like um like brighton where they only it's only like one house hmm. But that one house is it's a proof of concept it's showing that it can and will happen and that's important to remember for something like this and especially since it's so much bigger than housing which i think is good you know i think one of the things we may all love about college at durham is that like there's so many things that happen at college whereas when you move to the private renters market it does diminish whereas the cooperative you know so many things can happen at the co-op you can start gardens you can have more involvement with the local community you can actually learn DIY skills because you're the one who can help repair the property. You're learning financial management skills. And also, you know... You can actually be a student. You can be a student, you exactly. You can enjoy yourself. With um, landlords and you don't have to worry about the repairs as well. They'll get done. Yeah, because you, you're the one who's organising it. And also, fundamentally, it's a great way to make the local community see students in a more positive light because i think i forget which co-op it was it might have been edinburgh's or could have been bristol's or brighton's they did like a they had a deaf cooperative member who joined and it was deaf and they ran a sort of sign language workshop which they invited the local community to who then attended and like it was a very nice bonding experience between the whole community and like you know it allows for basically it's taken the time spent away from having to deal with stuff like landlords putting it into something worthwhile and 
fundamentally there's more longevity to it yeah. you know i think it's also important to dispel any sort of myths people might people might hear of student co-op housing and think that it's a uh, sort of an idealist thing you know will, mm-hmm. it, will it ever actually happen uh, it sounds great it would be great financially it's great it's also great bringing power back to students away from landlords but i would just like to stress that this is something that is actually very feasible it's something that has worked is continuing to work uh successful ones in edinburgh that's been going for eight years um, and this is housing about 100 students and the more success these projects have the more money they will have going forward to invest in more projects and the more that this will be something we see across the country rather than just in a few cities um, and it's a positive way that it can affect our education and our experiences at university so I think it's important that people don't just see this as um, a nice idea but actually see it as something tangible something that as we've said already if, if this is successful in Durham in the next three to four years you could be seeing student co-op housing where students can run their own housing at an affordable cost and this is definitely going to be beneficial um, for students yeah exactly and like you know it's um, it's good to, like there is so many examples of it working and also the support is there because all of these co-ops we've just mentioned Edinburgh, Bristol, Brighton they are done via the Student Corp Homes Collective, which we have now just been involved with. Um, and it's because people may look at it and be like, oh, but Bristol's is, I'm not sorry, Bristol, um, Brighton's is only like 10 people, you know, there's like thousands of students, but it's like, it's a proof of concept, you know. We're not going to overthrow every landlord into a co op overnight, you know. It, it requires taking what you can win at the beginning and then having that snowball effect occur. Because, you know, in Durham, you know, Gilesgate has a lot of properties which could be very cheap to buy, same as Neville's Cross. Um, even on Elvet, I've been informed that you know some of the buildings the university currently own are maybe thinking of getting rid of in the future. Maybe even the university would be willing to yeah. give us them, especially since because like considering how much, considering the tanking of the reputation the uni's facing at the moment with the college increases, it could be a good way to kind of get them to make themselves look a bit more positive about the housing problems. Um, and fundamentally as well you've got to remember that like this is about this is also much more than just like affordable rent it's also the idea of like sustainability sustainability and you are a student who controls your own housing situation yeah because at the moment i don't and no one does really as a student unless you own your own home you are controlling the uh the conditions of your own future uni experience exactly if you're a first year second year third year you're controlling how how it's going to affect you in your latter years of study, but also how it's going to affect future Durham students or students elsewhere at other unis. Um, so this isn't just a, a hopeful project. It's something that long-term is workable um, and very, very promising. Yeah, it's, 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 it's equal parts realistic and kind of hopeful, which is nice for a project such as this. And like, yeah, and I think if anyone's listening to this being like I was very full of hope about this we just want to say like you know this can only happen with student participation you know we can't run this alone as a society we need multiple people to help out with it and we also need people to be able to spread the word about it because fundamentally we've already said you know this will probably be beyond our time me and Jake um, at Durham but it might not be for any first years it might not be beyond your time or for anyone who's coming to the uni next year they may be the ones who get to live in it yeah so any interest that you might have listening to this um email you can email us at the tenants.union at durham.ac.uk um it's a good way to get in touch and we can add you to a group chat yes there's a current there's a whatsapp group at the moment with all the students who want to be involved 
Um, there will be a meeting coming up uh, next week, which we will publicly advertise as well as internally advertise. Please come along to that if you can, because, and or depending on when this comes out, we will talk about the meeting that's happened already. Yeah. But um, it'll be good to be able to get more people there because we want to be able to, by the end of this year, see if we can found the co-op legally, which means when the first year students come in in the new year, we have a bunch of information to give them to get involved because the, the hardest and the biggest slog of it all is finding the property. So if we have as much in place before that, whenever new students arrive at Durham, they can slot right into the organisation and get going with what we've been doing previously. Yeah, and this is something you know we'll um, we'll keep referencing and updating as Definitely. as the podcast go on. But it's just good to to set down this episode. You know who we are, what we stand for, uh, what we're doing, uh, issues currently going on, and how this is relevant to us in Durham, and then sort of projects and hopes for the future about how we can improve the situations uh, at universities across the country as well as Durham. Exactly, and yeah, and um, like we've already said, you can email us, 10starunion.durham.ac.uk. You can follow us on Instagram to see all the public stuff we do um, at, at Durham Tenants Union. And if you want to join us, it's free on the Students Union website. Um, I've been Don, this is Jake. Yep. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you very much for listening, and till the next time. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.